This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Launchpad on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Launchpad on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm your host, Carl Ulrich. I'm a professor at the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania, where I teach innovation, entrepreneurship, and product design. We're going to jump right in. My first guest for today's show is Ritu Narayan, who's founder and CEO at Zoom, leading on-demand rides and care, a leading on-demand rides and care company for children. Ritu, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Carl, for having me here today. All right. So we were just chatting a little bit uh, before before we started the show. Uh, we are on the other Zoom talking about the other Zoom. So <laughs> let's let's make sure we get we get the name straight and we point our listeners to your website. So tell us how we spell the name and how we can find you. As you rightly pointed out, the name of the company is Zoom. It's spelled Z-U with a line on the top and M. Uh, the website is ridezoom.com. Okay, so ridezoom and that's Z-U-M.com. If you're someplace safe in a web browser, you can check it out while Rito and I talk. Okay, Rito, let's get right into it. Give us the elevator pitch for Zoom. At Zoom, we are... Uh, reimagining and modernizing the student transportation uh, industry using technology and sustainability. Uh, student transportation industry, as you know, is an 80 years old, very antiquated, inflexible uh, mode of transportation, which hasn't changed really. And it's still, if you will find the same mode of transportation, one size fits all for everybody. And Zoom is on the mission to change it uh, across the country. All right. So we say you say student transportation. Um, I remember, I mean, I, students, of course, can be of many different age segments, but I remember I grew up in uh, rural New Hampshire and uh, rode in one of those Thomas yellow school buses. And I remember that it, it we fit three, three across in these tiny little bench seats uh, to go off to school. Tell us what the state of student transportation looks like today. Uh, so surprisingly, people don't realize uh, student transportation is the largest mass transit system in the U.S. Wow. It's larger than the subsequent five mass transit systems combined. Like subway takes only three million people every day. Airlines take nine million uh, people every day. But on student transportation, 27 million students transport daily, twice, uh, twice a day every single day. Uh, so it, it, is, it is one of those things where it happens every single day consistently, but it's a problem in the plain side where people have just accepted uh, the things the way they are. Uh, the solution is used to be quite inflexible where no matter whether you want to carry five students, in which case it's not optimal to carry them in school bus or whether you need 50 students, in which case everybody's spending a whole lot of time, you would have the same solution. Uh, Zoom, is, uh, at, at our end, we are applying the modern technology, modern user experiences, a cloud-based end-to-end system, and a multi-size vehicle approach 
to disrupt this whole system and to save school districts time uh, and money. All right, now I can imagine two ways at this. One would be to go after the, uh, the schools and the other would be to go after the parents or the students uh, in, in, in circumventing the schools. What approach have you, have you taken and what has worked best for you? Yeah, so initially when the company started out, uh, this is almost seven years back, uh, I was working at eBay and my both the kids transitioned to school. And I had this challenge of pickups and drop-offs of kids all the time. I was almost at the verge of uh, like leaving the job always. And uh, that was the genesis of the problem uh, of how Zoom got started. Uh, and 30 years back, my mom, who was an educator in India, she left the job for the same reason to raise me and my siblings. And it was a very clear moment of insight that this problem is universal, this problem is generational, and something needs to be done about it. So our first solution was called direct-to-consumer. We were targeting parents uh, uh, and directly selling to parents. Somewhere in the early days, we were trying to acquire customers cost-effectively. So I started speaking to private schools where the problem is particularly larger because they are commute schools. And I went there and started asking them, would you please promote a solution to parents? Because I know your parents have a problem. And schools in turn started telling us, wow, this is an amazing platform, very thoughtfully designed. Could we please use it for certain routes for our school? And that was very surprising for us because I was not thinking about school as my customer. And my first contract was just a 50K contract, but we were so excited that now I have a very repeatable business uh, that I can sell to. And I was very successful in that business model very quickly. Our largest contract ended up being a million dollar contract within a couple of years. And uh, Two and a half years back, we thought that we can provide the maximum efficiency, flexibility, and sustainability to schools only if we take everything from them, including the buses. And that's wow. how my evol evolution into the current model that I described to you happened. Yeah. And today, largely, school districts and schools are our customers. Well, this is all, it's a super rich story, and I want to circle back on a few of the things you said. But before we do that, they, there was something they saw about the solution that was very compelling. So maybe you could talk a little bit about what the solution looks like. What is, how does it work? Yes. So in our case, uh, the solution has uh, two distinct components. First, uh, first thing is that we have come to expect certain experiences in our personal life when we order a food, we can track our food, but we can't really track the kids once once they are on a ride or a transportation. So first thing we have done is we are bringing in modern user experiences and connecting all the stakeholders, right from the apps for the parents and students to the tablets and apps for the drivers, to the dashboards for the operations and the school districts and internal operations, everybody. Everybody has full transparency and visibility and they have control over their routes. And that provides for a huge uh, optimization in terms of saving saving the number of vehicles you need or the hours you're spending on the road. Since we have data all across, we are able to provide an amazing experience. So in our case, think about in the morning when parents get up, they know exactly where the bus is. Uh, when the child gets on the bus, they swipe the card using RFID and they, the parent would immediately be informed, hey, 
your child onboarded the bus. <laughs> and when they offboard the bus, they exactly know that the student has uh, has offboarded the bus. So everything is under uh, the control of a parent. In if a child doesn't come a specific day, they can cancel the ride, and a driver doesn't have to show up on that specific route. And so, uh, let me let me just interrupt you for a second, Ridu. Um, so the you've described this integrated uh, information technology solution, which I can imagine has a huge number of benefits. But you led with security and peace of mind. Was that the wedge issue? Was that the way, the, the, the way you were able to originally get a hook into the market was the notion of, we actually will know where your child is all the time? That was a huge thing. And the second biggest thing was flexibility. Mm. Uh, usually, uh, whether it's a parent or a school, or a school they, were, they ended up relying on school buses. Uh, whether the need was for one child or two child. And that's what we started building this infrastructure of drivers with the smaller mm -hmm. own vehicles. And we could actually provide a huge amount of flexibility in terms of providing the rides cost effectively and anytime in the most efficient way so that students are not spending an enormous amount of time on the road. And uh, this actually has a huge impact on their learning uh, in the morning when they don't spend hour, hour and a half on the road, just getting so, to the school. So, so you alluded to an element of the solution that maybe I missed the first on the first pass. So you're essentially using a uh, sort of a swarm of small-scale vehicle uh, salute, uh, transportation in order to flexibly adapt to the point-to-point -point needs of, of students. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the actual mechanics of that. What what are these vehicles? How many? students do they typically have in them and what does their route look like? Yes, so on our platform, we have multi-size vehicle right from starting from sedans to SUVs to vans to school buses and right size of vehicle is matched to the right size of route wow. and right size of need. Uh, certain cases, school bus is the right way to go because children are uh, traveling in a larger group while in other cases, yeah, a child is going for a specialized class outside of a district and there are only one or two kids going. And in that, those cases, smaller vehicles make total sense. And All right. Well, there's, there's so much that's compelling about the opportunity as I think about it. For one thing, so much of this transportation is mandated. Secondly, your customer can't drive. Uh, and so it seems like a really natural, it seems like a wonderful um, opportunity. Um, how did you think? I, let's go back to the to the to, to underscoring a key lesson, though, which is you got started thinking you were providing a workaround for the busy parent to do I don't know tra uh, 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 baseball practices over. I need to my child needs to to return home, and I think anyone who's been a parent certainly under understands that. Um, and then you started with what you thought would be the easiest target, which was after the presumably affluent parent, you then went to the private schools, which tend to be a little more nimble. But then you realize the bigger opportunity, which is every school could realize it. However, and now I get to my long winded question, um, I got to believe the sales cycle is just terrible when you're trying to sell into public uh, schools and large school systems. Talk a little bit about how what this what the what this what the benefit proposition looks like and how the sales cycle looks and i guess a related question is who pays and 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 how much 
initially we also thought that school district cycle would be such a long cycle and me coming from eBay, <laughs> very consumer and transaction oriented, if uh, that was my hypothesis, but it was quickly proven wrong. Wow. Uh, one thing is there that the value proposition, it's almost like an essential service for school. If children, uh, the to provide equity to all the students to be able to attend the program that they wish to, school has to provide transportation. That's wow. the main reason kids are not able to attend the programs they would like to. So it's treated like an essential service where schools actually make the best decisions and they come out with RFPs or uh, contracts and they have a very specific way of going about it. And uh, once once you have a great value proposition and you're disrupting in the market, it almost becomes like a default solution. As quickly as whenever the school districts are coming up for renewal, they don't want to look backward and have an old solution. And especially due to pandemic, the need for digitization and flexibility has increased greatly. And also this attention towards the climate has brought into a very unique place where Biden actually came up with in the infrastructure plan, a mandatory electrification of school buses. And all of these things combined together is a unique tailwind for a disruptor like mm. ours, where we can actually accelerate the sales cycle and get on to the newer contracts faster. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Launchpad on Sirius XM 132. I'm Carl Ulrich, and I'm speaking with Ritu Narayan, who is the founder and CEO of Zoom. Uh, and that's Z-U-M, and you can find them at RideZoom, Z-U-M.com. Um, Ritu, I want to actually have one more product question. Wow, there's so many interesting threads here. Um, the, the, I, I'm guessing the small vehicles are, are done Uber-like in terms of the way you do the, the driver model, but that seems a little less feasible with a large vehicle. So tell us a little bit about how the actual vehicles are operated and owned. Yes, so uh, school buses are actually, you're right, the drivers are in the, they are our hourly employees. Uh, they work for a very long duration. Most of them have been working for over 20 years or uh, so doing the same business and they really like doing that kind of a work. Um, we lease out the buses and we manage the operation of entire operation of the buses. In case of a smaller vehicles, uh, we have a network of drivers who are fully vetted and uh, uh, in terms of for trust and safety for children, for transportation of children, and they are appropriate for that. And uh, they are available on our network as we need it for different routes. Yeah. All right. Well, Ritu, I'm guessing, I mean, I, we, you, you alluded to the size of your early uh, contracts. This is a, this is a very, you've got a lot of, if you'll excuse the pun, traction, um, closing a C round, raising $71 million. So, so you've got quite a, quite a big scope of activity. I'm wondering if you can take us back to uh, February of 2020. Things are probably going really well. And then what happened when in that spring semester? It's funny you ask us that. Uh, we always thought that school transportation is a recession-proof market. Right. No matter what children are going to go to school. And then we suddenly get hit by pandemic when kids are not going to school anymore and not just in US, but the world over for the first time in the history in, in a long time. 
it was actually quite a bit of surprise as everybody, the whole nation was trying to grapple with it. So our initial reaction was to actually support the parents, support the customers by a lot of communication. And we realized that school not only provide the infrastructure for education, they're actually also a source of meal uh, to source of technology and laptop, source of emotional learning. And overnight that was taken away from children. Uh, so in the, in the short term, the first thing we did was we started doing reverse logistics. So essentially taking those meals and laptops and content material and uh, providing that to the school and delivering that to the children uh, to make sure that they had the things. And in the longer run, uh, we started looking at what would be the post-pandemic company look like and started uh, essentially upgrading our technology to be enterprise ready, uh, defining a business plan and everything in terms of uh, coming out as a winner in this market as the pandemic gets over. Yeah, so you're, as any good entrepreneur, putting the positive um, light on that, which is you've had this period to prepare for uh, scaling and, and greater, greater adoption. Uh, and I and I suppose no competitors are exactly starting up in this period. So you're probably in a pretty good spot. But I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the perspective your investors have taken. Talk a little bit about financing and governance and how your investors have viewed the pandemic and your prospects coming out of it. Uh, so our investors, uh, fortunately, I have very large patient investors like Sikora Capital, Spark Capital, BMW, and they have seen several cycles uh, in, during their lifetime. So for yeah. them, they don't panic. In fact, they are thinking about just like us entrepreneurs, like how do you make the best of pandemic? What is it that you need to give up and what is it that you need to double down on uh, during during the situations like us, these, and uh, survive. So first, first thing is about survival and extending the runway. The second thing is about growth. And as you rightly pointed out, how do you pivot or refine your solution in a way that you can grow in these times? Uh, obviously, a lot of habits as, an, as a company changes and you try to be super frugal, super innovative in these times and also make uh, make use of the trends that are changing, as I mentioned to you. Digitization became very important. Sustainability and electrification became very important. And the third thing, which we are in this phase now, is scale up. As the pandemic is getting over and schools definitely have realized one thing, that in-person learning is very critical for the children and they're coming back in full swing. We are ready to scale. Uh, mm-hmm. no. All right. Let me. Uh, those are those are great investors, and I'm. Uh, you're very lucky to have them. I want to. I want to ask you a, a, a personal question. Um, so let me give you the backstory. One of my former students and a, and a friend uh, started a business that grew out of her experience as a mom, and it became quite successful. But she has continually face this challenge of getting people to take her seriously. And so she always leads her presentations to my classes and others by just putting her revenue numbers up. She says, look, I know you think this is a cute little business that I started because I'm a, I'm a mom, but let me tell you about the significance of the business. Um, I wonder your origins, the origin story of this business also starts with you as a mom facing this problem, starting this business. 
Um, and yet you've succeeded in raising capital in the notoriously male-dominated uh, world of Silicon Valley venture capital. Talk a little bit about the perspective of a female founder pitching a business that grew out of your experience as a mom and how, if you faced any obstacles, how you mitigated them. Yes, uh, so initial fundraising days were definitely difficult uh, because uh, for many reasons, uh, your style of presentation as a female founder, uh, there were two large competitors or Uber or Lyft that people would think they can any day come to your segment uh, and they will just kill you overnight. And you had to continuously, I, I had to continuously learn after every single pitch or every single conversation on what went well, what were the doubts or what were the things that people were not willing to accept or, or really take it for take it on the face value from me and what could be better. And that refinement process ultimately led, led me to also the same insight, Carl, you mentioned that it's a mixture of story and the numbers. And it's a very delicate balance. You have to appeal to people's emotion. People really like knowing why you're doing certain things. And once they're clear about it, they are in the journey with you. But at the same time, once you have crossed that chasm, then you have to quickly move to the numbers and why this is such a great business. What's your ultimate vision? How do you plan to scale up? All of those answers. And um, I started effectively using both, both the sides uh, during my presentation. Uh, the real thing that clicked for me was early on a female executive from Google. She was she had moved into the venture capital business and she had her own angel fund. Uh, when I pitched to her, she instantly related to the problem and became my biggest seed funder. And uh, then I realized that this is a problem that people relate to. I have to hit on that point and make sure they get that because every single person faces this problem. Every single parent faces this problem. And once once that thing was very clear to me with the combination of the revenue numbers and other thing, it was unstoppable after that time. But initially, it was quite a bit of a challenge to get to the first few rounds of uh, first few initial stages of uh, fundraising. Yeah, so I want to underscore, I think these are super important points, and I think you have some real gems here. So I want to underscore them for the entrepreneurs out there listening. Uh, humans love narrative, they love stories, and an effective pitch almost always begins with a story, and the more personal, the better. So that's on the one hand. On the other hand, there are some intrinsic biases, and I noticed you were very skilled in almost in the second sentence saying student transportation is the largest transportation system in the United States. I mean, right then, bam. And that got my attention for sure. And so that that uh, left-right punch is really effective, I think, is the narrative, the personal narrative, and then and then and then the numbers. And then I think the other point you made, which I've I've heard I've heard from others as well, is find um, a credible mentor on the inside in the network who gets it and will go to bat for you and will serve as social proof. And you did all those things. So I think it's uh, it's 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 a great set of lessons. All right. Well, we just have a, a minute or two. Uh, what What's your perspective? Actually, today is probably I know it, at Wharton today is the first day of school. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. So so how, how's the semester shaping up in your world? Uh, this is our second or third week of back to school, depending on which schools we are talking about. And uh, 
it is actually it feels to me exactly as if i'm back to school literally uh, because we prepare for all the students and their transportation and making sure everybody has access to the app and technology and they are aware of everything if any issues come up we resolve them promptly so it it just feels like the same excitement uh, to us uh, we are very excited to be serving uh, so many customers and being part of their daily lives and bringing this convenience and reliability and flexibility to them every single day. All right, Rita, we're out of time, but thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, where can our listeners go to learn more and maybe where can the school districts go uh, to learn more? The best uh, place is our website, ridezoom.com, R-I-D-E-Z-U-M.com. All right. Thanks so much and good luck. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 